the year is 2004. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. And this is my marvelous year. Hello, and welcome to My Marvelous Year, the podcast from Reading Club, where we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. I'm debuting founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. Today, on 2004, Part 4, we're talking about the follow-up to Avengers Disassembled. We're talking about the center of the Marvel Universe in the hands of the notorious bmb brian michael bendis we're talking secret war number one to five not plural secret war just the one of them and then the pulse issues one through five it's a bendis special we're talking center of the marvel universe stuff it should be interesting all the comics that we read are listed here in the show notes you can also get access to the full spreadsheets via patreon.com slash my marvelous year we are entirely listener supported thank you to our patrons for backing my Marvelous Year and keeping this podcast going here through the 2000s. Now we're officially we're officially in Marvel Modern Comics. I am joined today by an individual who <laughs> I keep I keep her um, with us on every episode, and I like Thank to you. never I like to never introduce her to her co-host, uh, but she is the most powerful among us. She's going to be a game changer. She's actually the secret to the story. It's Charlotte Fierro. How's it going, Charlotte? Hello, I'm happy to, to come in without being introduced properly and make no sense in the context of the comic and become an important character. Hi. You know what's really weird is uh, Charlotte's dad is also John Voight. Uh, <laughs> how many people know that? Yep. Man, that guy <laughs> gets around. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> I am also joined today by a very special guest. I'm very excited to have oh them here God, today. So nice. Yeah. Uh, no, we're extremely excited to have them talk about... Listen, just he's he's the leader, the leader for da- for I think for six years now, no no four years now. Pardon me, of the Mark Bagley fan club, it's Zach Neen. How's it going, Zach? Oh, it's good. I like I like Mark Bagley. Well, yeah, I know. Bagley. That's why you're the leader of his fan club. <laughs> ba- Baglovit. That's like an advocate for. That doesn't you're a Baglovit. Um, yeah, that it doesn't. That you're doesn't in you're in the bag for Bagley as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Say. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I never would uh, say anything bad about him, and I never have, and there's no recording. Of you that. do also pretty, you pretty harshly seek down any bag leaks, which is when someone leaks Bagley's art. Oh, I really uh, don't you've like been bag leaks. Bag uh, leaks. The really DMCA hard. notices you've been putting out on people for bag leaks mm-hmm. have, have, have really, bag leak. <laughs> really gotten aggressive. Uh, but yeah, Zach Dean, we're excited to have Zach and Charlie here to talk. Secret War and the Pulse. Okay, can I just? I just want to start here. I want to start mm. here today. Yeah. Put some respect on Brian Michael Bendis's name, children. Children okay. of the world. <laughs> children of the world have gotten too glib. They've gotten too yeah. sarcastic. Yeah. With the BMB, they don't remember. They don't remember glory days 
I'll pass you by. Right? They don't remember (laughs) that Brian Michael Bendis put some gravity in the center of the Marvel Universe, said, I'm going to hold this here and make stuff matter. I love the ben- the kickoff to the Bendis era of events. Listen, does Secret War nail it by the end? <laughs> nope. But I love the beginning to this mini event and just the sense of somebody who's like, give me the reins. I'm going to run this show. Love it. That's all. I, I, do, I just want to start I think there. it's interesting. We've been talking about Bendis a lot lately. Like, we've had, this is the fourth, fifth episode recently where it's just the Bendis show. Like, we're yeah. just talking Bendis. And, like, I think this is easily the worst of the <laughs> episodes that we've talked about Bendis and you decide this is the one you're gonna do last week I would have I would have taken that uh, you know what it's, like it's I, in I conjunction with Daredevil and Disassembled I mean it's not sure. it's not specific and to even alias, just the quality like, of these comics and alias yeah yeah because yeah yeah no it's true and I I really like because I think before this my biggest exposure to Bendis was um Ultimate Spider-Man, which, mm-hmm. again, I do like that comic, and I often really like that comic, but I often am kind of lukewarm about that comic, and I did fuss about it at times, and it is where, like, I don't know, some some of his, like, glib tone irritated me the most, but I, like, really appreciate, like, his ability to, like, plot stuff out for stuff. Uh, I am curious to see if he, how he, like, keeps doing on these big team things versus the small personal stories, because right now, mm-hmm. what I'm seeing is, like, Spider-Man, especially Daredevil, and Alias, like, excels. Really do, really does good work there. Then you get the, like, big team sprawling stuff. And, like, yeah, some of the cracks are starting to show. The, like, have, plotting out this huge event with a lot of moving parts. And Marvel history, I think, maybe is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I've got complaints. I got structural complaints when we're talking about Secret War. Charlotte, uh, what do yeah, you think? Of where we're at with the, you know, we are officially now in the Bendis-driven Marvel event yeah. era. How do you feel about it? Yeah, there's very much like one part of, of Bendis on solo series, uh, like Alias, Daredevil, Spidey, both in 616 and in 1610. And it's, and then it's Bendis the Architect, Bendis the, the Avengers big events guy. Yeah. And I think, I do agree that his sort of stuff feels cleaner very much. I do think there is an excitement around the event part that I think is built at better than most events in past Marvel history. Mm-hmm. Like there is an actual build to those events, and they're because they're going to be continuous. Like that's going to be fun, and I, I think it's Secret War is actually the one that's it's the least true about. So maybe not a great example, um, but it, that's something I love in the Pulse, which is that like it's going to tie to it's going to tie the the big events uh, between each other mm-hmm. uh, which is really fun and i think i think there is enough of an excitement for me around those events and because th- they are com- competent enough that like i can forget about the flaws because it's it's definitely trying to do something different than like the very personal drama of of daredevil of of, of alias right uh, but i i do agree that it, it is it's not as clean, and the the flows definitely start to show. Yeah. I, I just think, like, on a concept level, on a big picture level, Bendis takes huge swings and yeah. has a, a real keen sense to at least try to explore some, like, 
kind of unanswered or unexplored corners or, or questions in the Marvel Universe that we've always just kind of taken for granted under the, you know, kind of the, well, we're in superhero comics fantasy land guidelines, right? There's certain structures and things that you just kind of accept. Um, you know, an obvious example would be Daredevil out of being like, oh, what if a secret identity actually got out? How do we play that out? And doing a good job with that. I think Secret War, so Secret War is a five-issue miniseries that Bendis does with with painter Gabriel Del Otto, who does a handful of, of interior comics works, but this is the longest thing they did um, for Marvel. They mostly probably are known for their cover work. They do all the covers for the Annihilation event series. Um, those are really well known. But, uh, you know, they, they do all five issues of this, which definitely is a very distinct and cool visual style it also takes forever <laughs> this book started coming out in early 2004 the fifth issue wasn't released until the end of 2005 um so that's about two years for five issues right so it's if you're reading it in the moment i bet those delays were weird <laughs> but in retrospect yeah. who cares right and uh so it's a really nice looking package but what bendis does is in the first issue he approaches it through the lens of like, okay, let's hone in on Nick Fury. What's Nick Fury doing in 2000's Marvel Universe? This is something that he's going to return to. I think it's a character that Bendis is really interested in. You know, this the Marvel Universe top cop, okay? The guy who is in charge of security of superheroes, you know, over the globe, but with an American focus. Um, and he looks at that and he says, what kind of problems would Nick Fury run into? And then he looks at one of the questions that kind of, begins the whole thing which is how does still man get those legs <laughs> how does still man this yeah. this you know down on his luck inventor maybe robs a bank successfully once or twice mostly ends up in prison how's he got the millions to fund those legs and he kind of uses that for all the tech-based marvel villains as the premise of <laughs> launching legs though well it is like <laughs> there <laughs> there are some questions that we just don't ask, you know, um, and it can be played for comedy, a la Mallrats asking Stan Lee if the thing is rocky everywhere, right? Um, or it can be played for actual story and being like, okay, let's actually set out to answer that in a way that doesn't break the illusion, you know, in a way that doesn't like make it impossible for us to enjoy this. And I, I think Secret War kind of pulls that off like that particular element what do both of you think i mean it definitely does it in a fun way which is like crossing answering it by crossing different parts of the marvel universe so it's like it's both latveria and like a, a, a very one-off uh tinkerer character from from spider-man like those two things should have nothing to do with each other yeah but like in the context of asking the questions of where where do they get all of their very high tech to to rob banks and it's like well yeah if you cross those things together you can start to to paint a picture and have like the beginnings of a story uh which is which is really fun um and then we'll see where the the story ends up but like yeah it's it's definitely Using the strength of the Marvel Universe and cross crossing the different parts, like not answering it by staying in its own in its own corner in its own bubble. I think that's the fun of a. Uh, that's to me a lot of the fun of the Bandit's events, which is let's let's not stay in one corner, not even like just the Avengers corner, which is in itself kind of a corner. Like no, let's let's take stuff that like is from those individual series, and that that like that's that's really fun to me to be like to to have those. Like, there is attention to one or two specific, like, villain goons here that are like, 
kind of pathetic but fun in in the way that like way over the head mm-hmm. and like crossing that with the, the tinkerer and doom or at least adveria that, that's like that creates that makes for the at least the the source for for interesting stories for interest interesting stories mm-hmm. the yeah i i agree i actually i think that works it works fine here i think he does it with like a light enough touch and uh it doesn't like it's not trying to stain, change the status quo. It's not like after this, you know, you feel like little minor D-listers can't just show up with, like, super tech anymore. Yeah. I think sometimes, like, it's annoying to me, and it feels um, like someone being, like, trying to be the smartest guy in the room by pointing out, like, you know, hey, this thing from 60s comics that we've always taken as a superhero, like, assumption, you know, that's not really realistic. Let me find a way to dig into it. But I think if you do it, like, sparingly, and you're not, like always just trying to you know point out those things then i think it can work um and that, that works fine here and i it's not done i don't think it's done especially cynically you know no. or mm-hmm. exactly. or like yeah. yeah it's just not it's not mean-spirited i don't think yeah it feels more like that. oh that could be a story there like yeah, that, that feels more from that that point of view it's not like uh miller or even like morrison yeah might do this and then like you could feel the like kind of the sneer about you know like how childish this assumption was for years like some character would comment on i think morrison's new x-men is a good example of that honestly which as much as i like it and and is it's funny because it's super ironic because morrison is like becomes you know the king of of you know referencing superhero continuity with their batman run they go on to do right like that's the thing they're famous for um but yeah new x-men's it's not like polite <laughs> about stuff they thought was i mean dumb. The, the magneto stuff i was actually just reading a, them like talking about their magneto thing yeah and part of it was they were like kind of complaining about the idea that like you know magneto just keeps coming back and they fight him and then he you know goes away for a while he comes back and he's like what if just like you know There's hitler just kept coming back you know, and you just had to keep dealing with Hitler over and over again. It's silly. <laughs> so, like, I just wanted to, you know, put a, like, a pin in it once and for all, right? And then it's, like, literally three months later, Marvel's like, nope, Magneto's back. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, right. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, okay, so with Secret War, uh, it brought back something I haven't really thought about in a bit with the with Marvel Comics, which is the assumption, that is one of, like, the assumptions baked into superhero comics, Um you know, superheroes are there to fight crime a lot of the time, and sometimes that's super villain crime, and sometimes that's real, real person crime. Um, and it's, you know, it's just such, like, part of the status quo of superheroes, and it's, you know, it gets it gets Marvel into a lot of trouble, it gets writers into a lot of trouble who, like, view it totally apolitically, but then, like, deal with, like, real political things, like, you know, actual, like, street crime and poverty and etc. Um this is the first time I've been like, oh, okay, we're now we're doing this, but the new status quo is terrorism, <laughs> yeah, right? And right. it's being treated yeah. again. Like I can't tell if Bendis is trying to say something particularly coherent here, but like, oof, I the tone of this book, uh, to, just to like jump in immediately to my big complaint about it because well, the, the stuff. Hang I like on, before before you yeah. before you do the criticism, which is, is uh-huh. we're gonna hear. Uh, let's talk about why. Let's talk about what what is Nick Fury doing? Yeah, yeah, please. That, yeah, that suggests yeah. this, right? So with the the premise beyond where do t- villains get their tech is the Tinkerer's doing it, and the Tinkerer is being funded by Latveria under the table, right? So that it's that a rogue nation is, you know, 
they're they're publicly glad handing and and making alliances with the U.S. because Victor Von Doom is in hell. Remember, um, per Fantastic Four, so they have a new prime minister. Her name is Lucia von Bardas, uh, which you all probably remember from Arrested Development season four. They make a Lucia von Bardas reference, the Do weirdest really? comic reference in media <laughs> I've ever encountered in my uh, life. <laughs> because they do have, they do a big Fantastic Four thing in that season. Is it yeah. because because of that, really? Yeah, yeah. That's so strange. It's huh. the most I wouldn't have caught that strange connection I've ever seen. It it's actually pretty great. Um yeah, that's funny. <laughs> one of the best things about that that wishy washy season. But uh, yeah. anyway. So Lucia von Bardas is actually funding this terrorism to try to destabilize America. Nick Fury gets to the bottom of this, right, with the help of Black Widow and whatnot, and he takes it to the American government, president, advisors, all that, tells them the situation, and they say, no, we're good. They say, uh, we we like our alliance. We're good. We don't want to stop that. And Nick Fury thinks, um, I'm seeing all this, all these villains be weaponized. It's going to lead to a catastrophic event. It's not outright stated, but there's a moment where Nick Fury's, like, really being vulnerable with um valentina uh and uh and he says like i can't believe it's happening again i i feel like that's a 9-11 reference Uh um they don't actually say it but i I was like i don't think there's like an in canon marvel universe thing i think that's like no he's talking real world like something awful is gonna happen uh and i i see the signs and i can't i can't stop it okay so that is that is the sort of continuity uh, superhero context and then obviously you know Zach as you're alluding to here like this is all in the shadow of yes real 9-11 2001 yeah, yeah. Oh, like America's invasion this... of Iraq in 2003 yeah. and of yeah. course yeah. you know what we've seen in in the world but also just in comics like okay terrorism is is villain number one we've seen this in so many of the comics we've read so far we see it in Miller and Hitch's Ultimates um, it's all also like really following in the wake of Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch is the authority, as well as Grant Morrison and Howard Porter's JLA, um, which are books that look at superhero teams on more of a global political stage, right? As opposed to just like fighting crime in New York. So Zach, please carry on. How does that actually manifest in your view? I mean, it, it it's so the, the timing of this, right? In like US history is the part where I'm just like, it, it makes my head spin. And like, maybe you can, you know, speak up and say like, I'm missing the tone of this that, you know, it's more satirical than I'm getting. But I, I really didn't read, you know, like a condemnation of Nick Fury. I think Nick Fury comes out of this feeling very like, you know, the only hero who's got what it takes to, you know, make the hard choices. Yeah. Um. But the idea that, like, the paper pushers in Washington are just too, you know, uh, they're too weak-wristed to really do anything about the threat. And 2004 is just such an insane, like, I mean, that that's such, the that's like the status quo of kind of, you know, like a right-wing narrative about America's military anyway. It's also just like, we're not strong enough. We need more, you know, more invasions, more money, more military interventions, etc. Yeah. No matter how out of control and, you know, outsized we are, it's still never enough. We're still in danger, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's, you know, that's something you just hear constantly from, like, the right wing anyway. So it's, like, really propping up that narrative. And it's so strange to be doing that in the midst of, like, we just kicked off two wars over this. They're barely related <laughs> to, like, mm-hmm. you know, the terrorist attack that we had. Uh, it's you're, so you're, what you're saying though is like specifically 
like the fact that that the president in Washington would like turn down Nick Fury's invasion request, like that that right. is the weird yeah. part, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which I yeah, I yeah. agree with. Like the fact that they're like, no, we're good. We've got an alliance. Actually, feels administratively at odds <laughs> with. Yeah, you know, I'm like, are you calling George W. Bush like? You know, is he uh, a baby here who like, you know, is, is he he's afraid of pushing the button? Because it's like, I, that's that's not what I was feeling at the time. Right? Well, when, when you act, when you have time, actual invasions of Iraq over weapons of mass destruction that never manifested in, in Afghanistan. Right, yeah. Like they're making up the reasons to come. Yeah, because yeah, it's also so messy because it's definitely trying to to have its cake and it, and it, it too, because like it's. Very much like hero fest, Nick Fury towards the end, like oh he he's going dark and sacrificing himself and quitting Shield because like he's like he did the right thing, but they can they can deal with it. But at the same time, it's like no, we see that he actually like his war on Latveria is actually the thing that causes the terrorist attack uh, at the end of the book. Right. Like he's he's the one that's messing up, and towards the end he even apologizes to for ever, to everyone for getting them into this. Like so <laughs> not, it's, not to Latveria for you know trying to like. I mean, he literally is like, we need to do a terrorism, right? Like, we yeah. can't silently assassinate her. We yeah, need Nick, to be terrorists. I mean, let's let's say what it is. Nick assembles five superheroes, calls in favors from Captain America, Daredevil, Spidey, Wolverine, and Luke Cage, and he does a secret war <laughs> with the intent yeah, which... of assassinating the Latverian Prime Minister. I must say, these characters, like, okay, Peter, I get, he's he's a bit dumb, but, like, the others, it feels like they've never been this naive. Like, it, you just accept, like, no questions asked, you're, you're heading to Latveria on what is very clearly a, a strike force. Yeah. Like, that's that seems a bit weird. Um, especially Cap, like, that's... Well, I, I think... Strange. So, I, you're not wrong. I think the part of my brain that kind of accepted it was Cap is is very heavily impacted by 9-11. They know Latveria to be Dr. Doom's country. So, like, yeah. Nick, Fury, Nick Fury comes to you and says, something's weird in Latveria. It's pretty believable in the Marvel And universe, also part you know? of me wonders if, like, I'm bringing some of my 2023 version of Nick Fury, like, post-Winter Soldier movie uh, Nick Fury, which is like, oh, he's, like, he's not a great guy like he's very he's the cia like he's not he's not like he's you we should we should then we shouldn't fully trust him like he's definitely he has his own agenda and he's yeah. a very like maybe not nationalistic but like he 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 it's security above all else with him and like my 2023 brain is like yeah well of course we don't trust Nick fury but i wonder how much that is true of that character in 2003 in Marvel Comics. I think... Like, I feel like maybe at that point kind of in Marvel history, he's me. more... Yeah. yeah like, it's it the start like of it, is the thing. Yeah. And I, I actually think that's the thing Bendis does really well, is establishing, like, these characters don't see Nick Fury. They don't hang out. They don't talk. Yeah. The fact that he's showing up in their lives is weird and, and unusual. And that alone is enough to make them think, like, okay, something big is happening. This guy doesn't ever show up in person to talk about things, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think you're right. I get where you're coming from, but it is, you know, think about, you know, just all the Marvel comics we've read, you know, and especially over the last, like, 15 years. Like, how much Nick Fury stuff have we been engaging with? You know what I mean? Like, it's a character that has been, he's kind of just a set piece. He's almost like a cameo as a stand-in for S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, and kind of government interference yeah, or whatever, like but we... he's not a player. We assume that he like 
does thing does important things for the Marvel Universe behind the scenes, but we never actually see him be in the center yeah. of the like wide event action, and the, like it feels like a first, and like it is like, it is strange. Like Je- Jessica Jones is like what. What are you doing here? Like, what? What? I, why? Why do you care that one of us got like is in a coma? Like, that's right. that's happened thousands of times before. Yeah. Like, why? Why yeah. is this special? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Like, I like. I, 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 let me let me keep fussing for a little bit, and then I'll get some yeah, stuff. Yeah, go ahead. Because like, I do really <laughs> like that. I just think like with the terrorist stuff, you know, in the terrorism, in the politics of terrorism, yeah. it's. I think like I wouldn't have such a negative reaction to the like the tone of this. If the, he just also, like he just tries to l- link it so closely to what's happening exactly right then, like yeah. Latveria now is a Muslim country. Also, yeah, that's like, so weird. Like that's that, such that a came strange from nowhere pivot. And you know, we get a couple like snotty little like jabs about like, oh yeah, a truly repressed country would make you but know, also, women wear burqas like the like the. But that's also that's only from. Black Widow, like she's yeah. literally the only because like the prime minister of Latveria is a woman and she doesn't wear hijab or anything. Like so, yeah. it's like yeah. it's literally just Natasha. So it just feels like, in the context of the comic, it just feels like Natasha is doing a weird bit and it's like, yeah. Here's actually <laughs> true at all. My 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 thinking on it is no one actually wears the burkas in Latveria. Natasha just needs to conceal herself because she's a world famous spy. So she she has gotten it wrong. And thinks that that is the <laughs> attire of the region. She says something like she's like at the, the world's airport worst and spy, <laughs> just yeah. like very obviously concealing herself. Yeah, or, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. She makes a couple of comments that make it clear that like, oh, this is now a you know like a very repressive nation towards women. Yeah, but she still looks super sexy. She has to point out. Well, as well she's like, yeah, I can rock this thing. And it's like, is and like I better is, point out. I'm a little. I don't think Quake is too. wearing like a book or anything. Right? I can't remember, actually. No, but I I feel, yeah, so. it very much feels like Black Widow is the only one. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's very yeah. strange. And it's very strange that, oh, now we're doing a metaphor for terrorism, so I guess Latvia has to be Muslim now. It's I, like, yeah, it's, yeah. Even yeah, as a metaphor, though, I do think... I think you're right. Like, this is the most on-the-nose that Bendis will get with addressing what is actually happening in the world, in the post-9-11 yeah. world universe. Like, it, yeah. it would be hard to be more on-the-nose as this progresses the only you know the only differences are instead of just the american government greenlighting what's happening which is what actually happened it's nick fury going rogue right and and doing this invasion of Liberia. i i think one of the problems too and i'm not as fussy about it as you zach as far as like the execution oh this isn't that. even my biggest complaint <laughs> i bet um one <laughs> of the one of the challenges form. i have though is that we read <laughs> the fantastic four version uh-huh. of this um yeah. very recently <laughs> the way in so well we didn't i think you actually skipped it for the club but we all read it oh my uh, gosh it's a must yeah. read run that means it we is a read must it. read run because it's um, so much better <laughs> it's better executed by far and yeah. and that actually uses that's one of those things where that actually uses the metaphor and and the kind of um suspension of belief stuff as a buffer yeah Whereas Bendis kind of, yeah, he actually sure. chips away at the buffer too much to the point where it's, yeah. it's pretty yeah. raw. And That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we didn't even talk yet about like another weird thing about the comic, which is we don't actually see the Secret War. Like it starts with Fury assembling the team. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. then we don't so see it happen. And then it's like a year later where every superhero has been like brainwashed to forget what happens. And like it becomes like kind of a mystery thing of what actually happened during Fury's Secret War. Secret War. 
So we don't actually see what happens in okay, Nigeria so until like flashbacks. Here's my biggest complaint: is it's like all the structural issues I had with Assemble, uh, Avengers Disassembled, but like worse here. Yeah. Like he's doing a mystery, and then he immediately tells you what happened. Like, I mean, the the big reveal is just that they thought they killed her and they didn't. So like, I mean, I, the mystery is somebody shows up and blows up Luke yeah. Cage and Jessica Jones. Jessica's okay. The baby's okay. Um, which happens actually in both these stories, but uh, but Luke goes into a coma, and it's it's hard to treat a Luke Cage in a coma because his skin is unbreakable. Which is a cool a, a cool detail. Good detail. Like, it, I think. Yeah. It but also, who trauma. showed up to like take out Luke Cage like that? I don't know. If, do we find out which D tier villain just blew no, him up? No, like, it's Lucia. It's Lucia herself. Oh, it is Lucia. Oh, okay, that's kind of fun. Actually. Yeah, I liked I liked Lucia. Just we'll. And talk about her specifically but so that's you um, know and that kind of yeah. sets off like and then nick fury's interested and to your point you know, jessica jones like why are you here and then that kind of we see okay this attack has happened it's in retaliation for something and the mystery is what's it in retaliation for so then bendis goes on to explain nick fury's mission how he assembled these heroes they totally yada yada the actual invasion right he, it's just okay this panels. is this is the big my big issue he yada yada is so much with this where like I kept thinking of Hickman. I can't remember. One of you said something about, like, you know, this being, like, a, a plotted something or very mechanical plot or something. But, like, it's... It, I actually feel like Hickman... It, it, this this whole thing is something that would be in, like, Hickman's ballpark. But, like, I couldn't help but thinking, like, <clears throat> this would all just lock together really nicely and tightly. And, like, you know, like, it needs to just bring you along with the mystery. And instead, you basically just know more or less what happened by issue three. Well, and that's, then it, like, that's 60% yeah. of the book, though, is the thing. It's only yeah, I guess that's issues. true. It's just not that long to sustain. There's no, like, I'm never, after the first two issues, I'm like, all right, well, I more or less know what happened. Like, it's blowback for the secret war that they went on. Um, but there's so many, like, there's things that he literally has characters, yada, yada. Like, why did you all come to Latveria on the same plane? And Nick Fury being like, oh, well, you know, I would notice that, but no one else in the world is like me. And I'm like, that's a stupid thing to say yeah <laughs> right like i mean like yeah there's no other spy on earth who has the capability of noticing this pattern of five superheroes on one plane like like, like ben eric would have noticed for example yeah like if for ben sure. happened yeah. to be on that plane <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people who would have noticed uh there's a lot of other smart people who could have figured this out and then like wolverine at the end is like nick why'd you you know brainwash me i would have just done this for you and nick's like i know you would have and those sometimes i just ask you to do stuff but sometimes i had to do it like this and i'm like no you didn't you probably could have just let well like you know it's it's like he was thinking of the problems with how he wrote it and then he's like well i'll just have someone yeah. hand wave it away later there's a bunch of those yeah. um can i can i just say yeah. i i actively dislike bendis's writing of wolverine yeah <laughs> oh my like god he, oh it's he's terrible. just like a drunk sexually harassing lunatic yeah we've never it's seen him so, so weird bad. i don't yeah I, I think we've literally never seen a worse wolverine i than, don't in bendis's hand so here. i kind of i kind of like it oh <laughs> it's my god. really here it's really out there like sexual just, harassment is funny to me Says Dave. Busey listen, <laughs> listen. Okay, you can't hold these quotes against me forever, Zach. Um, no, I I think it's a really bold choice. I the funniest thing about it is to, f- to flirt with a stewardess. It's a really bold choice. Yeah, another yeah, flirt classic is Dave word, I suppose. You should be thrown off. He should be thrown off that plane for sure. I mean, yeah. he is he's a monster. And he survives. I think it's a, it's a 
it's a really um, it's an ultimate universe interpretation of what Wolverine could be, it's not even right? Bad, that bad there, but yes, yeah, yeah I no. But I'm saying like if yeah. you really stretch it out and be yeah. like, what do we know about this guy? Like he's yeah, it's 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 villainous, I guess. Actually, you know, it's like wait, we can't root for this guy anymore. He's too, he's a sexual predator, you know, like he's he's yeah. Alpha's rocker. Yeah. Um, what I was gonna say is it's it's actually very funny. Like it it gets walked back so hard. Like there there must have been backlash or. Or just like even just Bendis and Otto's like internal revision of like we will not write him like that again. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> really only that, that one is not issue. well. That is not how the character continues to be really depicted yeah, anywhere yeah. else. But here's the thing: I read I read the like uh, follow up arc of the Pulse we didn't read, but that is a, like Secret War crossover, and he's the same in that in that arc, like mm. even in the later issues. Oh so yeah, I don't know how much? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I take. So it back. he does yeah. it just for this little like chunk, and then he decides yeah, to maybe stop doing it yeah because it's it's rough yeah um what's the uh the the earthquake girl's name i can't remember quake quake well okay <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know she daisy johnson um, aka quake aka played by sky Chloe bennett agents on shield. agents of shield yeah. yeah um really weird choice to be doing the ultimates thing of being like in this one is an actress <laughs> <laughs> it's so distracting in this comic in a way i never actually found that distracting in the ultimates because it kind of was like everyone there and it was a little more suggestive instead of like i literally just drew angelina jolie but i'm like that's 18 year old angelina jolie that's like foxfire era hackers era angelina jolie it's even like her exact haircut from i think from hackers yeah. um so was just watching that movie and put her in it's really distracting um but I like actually kind of like that character. I, I like... didn't see that at all. Yeah, no, I never would have. <laughs> you had your mind. I never would have. I didn't that see that at all. I'm yeah. sorry. Wait, what? Really? Neither of you noticed that? Nope. Sounds like kind of Absolutely a cinema nuts. nerd problem, not necessarily a cool comics reader problem. Yeah, I mean, now that you say it, yeah, I can see it. But I like I haven't seen Hackers, so I've like not really seen Angelina Jolie with short hair. So like that's just. Not a comparison. You know, one thing I did notice. Have you guys noticed that Ultimate Nick Fury kind of looks like Samuel L. Jackson? I feel like <laughs> yeah. that was. I feel like they might have done that on purpose. Yeah. yeah. There is hard. there is a character in the pulse. So it's a different artist, but there's a character in the pulse that looks like here for just like one or two issues, I think, and that looks just like what's the the uh, Emperor, uh, Emperor Snow from Hunger Games? What's the what's the name of that actor? Donald Sutherland. Yeah, Donald Sutherland. I'm I'm putting. A uh, two pictures, one of Angelina Jolie. Yeah, I'm not and one surprised you are hunting down photos right now <laughs> in our in our chat because like yeah, no, look, yeah, I, I feel no, like I, I found it. the reference photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the hair is literally falling in the exact same spot. Yeah. Sure, sure, um, sure, sure, sure. I don't think that's the biggest Quake criticism. <laughs> no. Oh, I, do, do you have other criticisms? Because besides that, I think she's kind of cool. I, like, I think she's she a cool explodes. character. I like she having both Logan's heart. That's cool to me. Yeah, I think uh, one thing Bendis actually is is pretty good at is kind of building a roster or a sense of like other people with powers around Nick Fury. You know, the mm. fact that he would have assets of like non A tier superheroes, you know, and that they would be in his employ doing spy game stuff as opposed to just mm -hmm. your average, you know, dum dum Dugan kind of lackey thing. Uh, I yeah. think that's pretty smart. I think that works pretty well. But I mean I I I definitely like the I like the structure and the pacing of this more than you do um i i like the approach of here's the problem and then we're going to kind of flash back to what set the stage for that and then it's all going to come full circle to lucia von bardis is here for her revenge now actually causing more havoc than if we hadn't invaded in the first place um i think 
if you really want to try and analyze like the political commentary of it, you know, um, I guess you could interpret it as Nick Fury took unilateral action and it blew up in his face and things got worse because of that. What does that remind you of happening in America right then? Right? So it's yeah, that, that could be the I'm commentary. Like, am I missing the like... I think I think that's the biggest possible point you could interpret from this of like this thing is going to blow up in our faces um yeah. because of what we've done which if that's what he was getting at you know i, think I mean if he's getting out of like you know we armed the 9-11 terrorists like 9-11 was you know our roosters coming home i don't think that's it but i guess that's in play as well um there, I, I, but just, I mean i don't a, think if there's multiple ways end, you interpret it that's fine i think again at yeah. the end of the day the the plot is too directly similar to be trying to draw like there's there's not a lot of ambiguity in in, in conclusions or mm. or in possible salient points um and it, it it gets fully superhero event comic by the end to the point where it's like yeah this is this is not a political commentary anymore this is a superhero comic um okay can i yeah. can i say with that aspect of it yeah and with was it gabriel delato yeah was, okay with their art do you know that uh here i want you both to close your eyes and picture that antonio banderas gif of him like you know he puts his fist up to his <laughs> mouth and goes like "Ooh," and, like leans back in his chair yes. that's me flipping every page of this comic book because yeah. like damn i'm a sucker for this kind of stuff even more than like the alex ross stuff like the painting of superheroes i love when we get the like the not particularly noble version of this like very painterly style like because alex ross ross's is often you know very like they're norman rockwell kind of that's they're not doesn't actually look like norman rockwell but like really big idealized you know american hero kind of thing right here i love seeing the like the d-tier villains drawn out in like a big splash page and a bunch of like nerdy d-tier villains yeah. it's like there's no other context that you could make them all look really cool but when they all show up here i'm like oh yeah who whoever that like doc ock spin-off nerd is and there's you know one of the six hobgoblins is here and what the the wizard is that his name the guy from the fearful four or frightful four yeah um is like floating in the background and i'm like i am feasting on this stuff that so that that aspect actually saved this comic for me um the art in this is like so good that uh i still had like kind of a really good time with this comic <laughs> yeah it's understandable why it took after no it's understandable why it took so flipping long um, yeah, because it's obviously a hard thing to do. <laughs> like I said, Delato hasn't done sequentials, um, it really anywhere near as often as that. Uh, he does do the uh, the Amazing Spider-Man Family Business graphic novel, which at this point is most well known for Wilson Fisk's Hawaiian shirt, which is on the cover, which rules. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's yeah. I mean, the book looks phenomenal. It definitely looks great. I think in in like like with its surroundings as well. You know, like look at the the other kind of art. That is happening at this time. I do think too. This is an example of like Bendis does find ways to work really well with the artist that he has. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. He he identifies like he doesn't. And you know, it's funny reading the pulse alongside this with Bagley, obviously, which they have yeah, such yeah, rapport. Yeah. But it's like the approach he takes on the pulse is so flipping different. And oh, he's if he tried to do Bagley. that, yeah, yeah. And if he tried to do that with Del Auto, it would be a disaster. It would be an absolute mm -hmm. train wreck. So that is one of those things where yeah. I'm like. He gets that, you know, relatively early in his career, and it's one of those reasons why it's like, yeah, this is why all the 
cool artists want to work with him. You know, it's like yeah. <laughs> that stuff matters in comics. Um, but yeah, no, these I, I loved a lot of stuff. I think it, like you said, like Wolverine obviously is like despicable in this book, but he looks despicable too. Like he's this, yeah, you yeah. Know, he's he's this weird misshapen goblin of a man. Um, everybody he looks does awesome. It, Delato does such good work with facial expressions, which is tough to do when you're like, yeah, I don't know, with the painting, right? Like full on painting of this, but like the expressions are really expressive and like give nuanced looks into like what people are feeling like the shockers as name or magma Ma- not shocker it's like magma man or something mm-hmm. um is like terrified at the end when he's being sent in because like all these d-tier villains are like way above their head and uh <clears throat> he like really sells the like panic on his face just through uh you know in a way that like the dialogue doesn't even necessarily do um but yeah it's it's really good stuff and i i'm such a sucker for like you know, really carefully detailed paintings of like when they go into the Tinkerer's workshop and there's like all the different suits are lined up against the wall. Ooh, that's fun. That's a good like you get yeah. the Doc Ock suit and you get the vulture's wings on the table and like all those little details. No stilts. Um, no stilts. I noticed. No, no stilts to be seen anywhere here. Because okay, because Stiltman is too good. Like he doesn't need. Yeah, we we'll probably won't ever see him again though. So I, I think. think that's probably... I think there's two things happening there. One, Stiltman's already in the pulse, so we do get a reference there. And two, I think what is not explored here is how Stiltman was funding Lucia von Bardis and actually masterminding <laughs> the whole thing. Um, so that's going to come up obviously later. Still doom. Yeah. So I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, the way this concludes. Lucia Vombardis comes back, says, you know, they tried to kill her, they failed, apparently. She's now gone robotic and superhuman herself, and she is unleashing devastation on some section of New York. All the heroes show up, they call in the Fantastic Four. Um, do they call in the Avengers? I don't remember. Uh, but they're, they're there, you know, trying to prevent this with all the D-tier supervillains. Obviously, they do finally defeat them, and then the secret comes out that Fury brainwashed all of the heroes... And that's why they can't fully remember the Secret War. Wolverine, in particular, wants to kill him over this. Tries to. Quake explodes his heart. And then Nick Fury's like, "I may." he, he doesn't say I may have made a mistake. <laughs> but that's the tenor. I, I kind of got the vibe that he was like, see, this is what I was trying to prevent. Yeah. And I'm like, but you did it. But he you did it. it. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, <laughs> yeah. is contrary in itself. But then, you know, he, he retreats to the shadows. So he's like... This was bad enough and inescapable enough that I can no longer be head of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm going to go on the lamb, which is another cool idea, actually, um, that, that Bendis will continue to yeah, play I, with. I can see that working. Just, you know, pull it away from being like, well, like the direct correlation to, you know, we need to invade this Muslim country and send them a message. <laughs> right. Like, get, get rid of that. And I'm kind of on board with. Yeah, I actually, I may have bypassed, we started talking about the dress and Black Widow and stuff, and it's like, that's a real mistake. That's a real stain on the comic. Yeah. It is so unnecessary, and it is so Islamophobic, and it is is of the era, you know, yes, but it's like, if I'm going to perpetually hold Frank Miller to task for holding (laughs) terror. Yeah, I was just thinking of him for holding terror, yeah. You know, it's one of those things where it's like... You know what, like... I respect Holy Terror more for at least just being like, oh, no, I'm really pissed it. about a thing. No, it's true. I, I like this. This stuff is like, I mean, respect, it's, whatever. I, I don't know what I mean. I, at least I know where I stand with that book. With this book, like, I, it, the kind of just like wishy washy middle ground, you know, pretending all this is like normal 
kind of status quo stuff. That like is way it's, more frustrating. It's a very casual reflection of an American sense at the time that we are at war yeah. with Muslim countries. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like that's maybe hard to even understand. They hate us. And uh, I could never now. understand that. Like multiple characters say that. Captain America says, you know, they're gonna blow us up for reasons I can never I could never understand. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, he's putting those words in Captain you know, America's mouth. Yeah. I, this makes me think. I've I've been thinking this a few times recently. So I I read a handful of Art Spiegelman things, and one of the books I read was um, In the Shadow of No Towers, which is Art Spiegelman was there in New York on nine eleven, and he, he writes this comic and story about you know his daughter was in school during nine eleven and them going to find her and stuff, and it's you know it's a pretty harrowing account of of the stuff, but it's like Spiegelman goes on to do these comics about you know the aftermath, and I. I think a lot of times with Miller or with Bendis or whatever we, you know, or all these comics, there's this sense of like, oh well, of the time, you know, everybody kind of lost their minds. And reading the Spiegelman in the Shadow of No Towers, it reminded me that like some of the most affected folks still retained perspective <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. to not fall into these traps. Um, so I would I would highly recommend reading in the Shadow of No Towers to get the voice of someone who like who kind of sees it for what it is is hugely emotionally impacted uh but does not succumb to just like kind of propaganda hate you know like that's that was not a given i guess is kind of the point that that reminded me of yeah, yeah. well i mean you, it is it is weird to think about because it's just like yeah at the time we had some of the internationally the largest anti-war protests you know of all time right like just massive uh collections of people protesting the uh, the american invasions and yeah it kind of gets glossed over or especially got glossed over at the time right and just got attacked as being like anti-american especially the french how they wouldn't back us <laughs> and <laughs> we had to stop eating their fries freedom fries uh, yep okay, okay. Full okay. can so yeah i do want to say like bendis is still like exciting to me despite this uh him doing like event stuff him doing big world building stuff i think i'm interested in seeing him get hang out of like i guess events maybe i'm, I'm interested in seeing him doing like a long-running avengers rather than like these little five issue things because i i don't know if like the five issue arc uh, like a single story where he has to do the whole thing uh is really where he excels i think like it's a little too compressed for him maybe and so it does just kind of feel like all of a sudden just events happen and pop off and you get the conclusion and it gets like rushed out at the end. Well, so. Secret War is an anomaly. Uh, the the idea that there's just five issues that pop up and it's like a giant <laughs> kind of continuity altering event is not yeah. the tact Marvel will approach it from. I, I just from my perspective, like the first two issues, I was whooping and hollering. I was chanting Bendis' mm-hmm. name. Sure. I was so excited. Yeah, I was just like, not because they're perfect, but just because it's like, look at this. Look at this boss coming in to own this town. And, uh, you know, it kind of peters out towards the end of it. And uh, But I just, I, I love that ambition. I love that ambition, and I love the sense that, like, you know where the center of the Marvel Universe is. That is so important um, to enjoying, I think, what, what Marvel Comics can be in the modern era. Uh, so, with that said, let's move to The Pulse. Issues number one to five. This is written by Bendis. we got our here by Mark Bagley, their Ultimate Spider-Man collaborator. This is... A part Jessica Jones book, part Ben Urich book, part Spider-Man book <laughs> for the first five issues. Uh, it's a Daily Bugle book, I guess, because the pulse is yeah. a column that J. Jones Jameson is is adding to the Daily Bugle uh, in sort of admitted defeat of like, okay, fine, we have to have something 
that gives people some superhero fandom stuff because that's what everybody wants. And he brings in Jessica Jones to do that. This book has big ramifications. Um, It actually has some pretty cool stuff. I talked about how Bendis writes very differently with Bagley. It's, it's, I guess, formalistically kind of interesting, but it is too much. <laughs> like, like when I say much. he writes with differently, it means he writes a lot more to the point where you have, I mean, broad sections of issues with just literal columns on the side, which is all text, or down it, the middle like, of the page. The you, bubbles are oh. bouncing around, baby, in that USM style. It's it's too much. Uh, it, it does not make for... An enjoyable reading experience, and I guess you know part of the problem too is like it is not literally just like it is too many words. It is too many words that don't say anything. It is too many words that don't add anything. You're like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna sink into this. I'm gonna read what this girl has to say, and I'm like, man, I've kind of read that character many times before. Did definitely didn't need to like you know read their stream of consciousness this much to get like what you're getting at. Well, and I picture the opposite. I pictured Ed Brubaker doing the same thing. In three panels and 36 words, you know? Mm. And yeah. it feels very achievable Ooh, given the amount of content. Charlotte's making noises. Charlotte, are you going to defend this? I, uh, like, I definitely get your point. I think I'm, like, to this point, I'm, uh, like, I've gotten the Bendis vaccine. So, like, I, I like, I, I know <laughs> when to gloss over yeah. and to just sure. get the gist of yeah. it and not have to write to read every word. And so I can just like get to the gist of it, and I kind of love it. Yeah, <laughs> oh my I God. really love the pulse. All right. Um, I think like when I talked about like the excitement around events and like the idea how Bendis does really well the mixing of different like individual characters and series together to be like okay, but those elements together could actually tell a story. I think that's like that's the excitement of the pulse, and I yeah I don't know it's it's. It's fun to me. It's like really, really fun that idea of superhero like reporting, uh, like superhero newspaper. Ben Yurik and Jessica Jones, like they're not actually a pair here. We don't see them working together that much yet. But like the idea of those two aspects is really interesting. Um, and like the whole, I don't know, like the the whole thing about Norman Osborn and him being unmasked as the as the Green Goblin feels like that could very easily be like a 10 issue arc of a, of a Spider-Man and like a big story. Right. And I feel like I almost, but it feels like I've seen that so many times before. And that's so interesting seeing it, seeing him not be undoed by like fighting with Spider-Man, but by like the, by Jessica Jones and Ben Uric, like reporting and like going after him on the like news angle and like trying to, to figure out what's going on with him in that way. Like that's, that's really interesting to me. And that's like, that adds something different to to those characters. It's 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 more fun to me to to see to see that happen that way of him, him the the scene where he he like he's being integrated by the 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 journalist at the beginning, and she's like getting to him by by saying that no, it's it's for a list of the top hundred more most interesting people on uh, in New York where she's actually like. Uh, trying to 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 find out stuff about missing people at Oscope, and her when she asked the question about the missing people, it's like, like I don't know that that those six panels are really awesome to me of his face becoming more and more unhinged and like yeah. oh you got me through ego like that's that's some great 
Green Goblin stuff to me. And like that's hits that's the balance a, of Norman and Green Goblin. But yeah, that's a great routine. So yeah, I, I really love I don't know, getting the opportunity to see the Green Goblin in a very different angle than the Spidey versus Green Goblin uh, relationship is like, that helps that character feel much more threatening when he's in a room with like a journalist. That's yeah. that's some great stuff. Um, and yeah, like just even the relationship between Ben and, and Spidey and Spidey being like, how do you know? And like Ben is like, come on, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Be, 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 be serious. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I love the Paul I love it so much that I actually read the five next issues without, which are a Secret Wars crossover, which I, I didn't love as much. But I do really like the idea of having that book be the, like, normal person, quote-unquote. Like, as much as it can be, because it's uh, with Jessica, but, like, more normal person point of view that helps. Like you said, they've centered the Marvel Universe. Like, that point that point of view of the, the big events. Mm-hmm. Like, I know it doesn't last that long, but, like, I'd be really interested in seeing that book continue and have that book's point of view on Civil War and, like, the, the next events of the 2000s. Like, that... That feels like a very interesting thread to me that doesn't fully continue, I think. Yeah. But yeah, that's like that's a lot of what I love about about this book. Yeah, I mean conceptually, it's you know, they reference Marvels, but it's a yeah. bit more like Busiak's Astro City, where it's like, yeah. you know, we are going to interpret the massive events or the big happenings in the Marvel universe through the lens of media, right? And through this these newspaper characters, but also we have Jessica Jones as a super powered individual kind of grounding and connecting those dots. I mean, it takes a lot of the Bendis favorites, right? Of We have Jessica Jones, we have Ben Urich, and then, of course, the Spidey thing. Um, you know, obviously, he's doing Ultimate Spider-Man. I, I do always have a hard time. Bendis doing Ultimate Spider-Man and 616 Spider-Man at the same time, I think is, I don't know, it's like crossing streams or something. It's like there's just... Especially not... with Bagley. Like, with Bagley Bendis especially. and Bagley on 616 Spider-Man is like, oh... Which Bagley does a nice, he does a nice 616 Goblin, actually, and Norman Osborn. I do do like his depiction there, you know, so it's not like he doesn't, and obviously Bagley's done, you know, he co-created Carnage back in the early 90s. Like, he's been doing 616 Spidey for a while. It's not like he doesn't know how to do it. Um, But yeah, no, I think everything you're saying is, I'm glad you had such a good experience with it, because I think that's that's my initial, (laughs) no, like, that was my initial experience with it, was just loving that, that kind of, yeah, just like, Marvel Universe, but but two steps to the left perspective on everything, um, and I, I think it's it's cool. I think it would be a little better served if it took because it's it's comparable to like Gotham Central, which launches around this time too. Um, a little less Spider Man, actually. Mm-hmm. Like if you because Gotham Central makes the very smart decision that Batman rarely speaks. Batman is a presence, but not necessarily a character in that book. Uh, I think the pulse would actually be better served if you, I don't know. I like the conversation between Ben and Spidey, but it's like now I'm just reading a Spider-Man comic. Um, so you, there's some of that. Did you read the entire series or like just those five issues? I, not this go around, but I have previously. Yeah, yeah you have. Because like I, I like I read those five issues and then the next five, and like the next five aren't Spidey. I don't even, I don't even think Spidey shows up at all. Yeah, it's Maybe not a Spidey. Like my, book, right. I also don't necessarily have the point of view of it. I feel like maybe it's just the first arc that's very Spider-Man. And I don't know how how that is true of the the whole series, but yeah, I, I definitely do see that. In which the, is a, which is you know a, a tried and true Marvel way to draw people in too, right? You yeah, know, is is you have you need to have some characters that people know to have anyone buy this book called The Pulse. I get that, um, and you know, so the the mystery here is this young woman is found dead. She's a reporter for the Daily Bugle. It seems she's been dropped from a great height 
And as the book progresses, you know, it's increasingly clear that it's like, oh, this was probably the Green Goblin. And what that then dovetails into is Ben Urich's. He had previously reported, uh, actually wrote a whole book outing Norman Osborn as the Green Goblin. Uh, this was actually a one-shot written by Kurt Busiak in the, in the late 90s, which I don't know if I realized when I read it the first time. Um, but uh, Norman Osborn sued him and, and won, basically. Um, so, like, Eric thought he approved it, but it actually did a ton of damage to himself and the Bugle a bit. Uh, but now he's like, he's like, oh, I think we can nail him this time. And Norman is in the characterization of Norman Osborn and Green Goblin is good, but it's also like <laughs> it's it's very ham-fisted where he's just like he is desperate to out himself. Like he is he is uh, taking no secret bombs out of his limo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he could not be more obvious about being one and the same with the Green Goblin, which is not how the characters ever acted before. So I don't know. It's not that hard to accept that, like, there would just be this moment, an explosion, you know? But it's definitely, like, you have to suspend your understanding of this guy's, like, kind of savvy and evil. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because I haven't read that much uh, Spidey Goblin stuff since the since he's come back. But it feels to me part of the... This isn't, like, they're not separate anymore. Like, Norman is fully the Goblin, and those two mix up way more together. So, like, that's... It feels, to me, it felt more like a new direction for the character, that he'd be more willing to to not try to pretend that much. Yeah. Uh, but maybe, like, that's maybe that's more clashing than I, than I, than I would think if I'd read uh, more, more recent Spidey comics. Um, I have... I, there's nothing about this that interests me. <laughs> <laughs> I like nothing. I was born out of my mind. Nothing. Yeah, I. Not, I mean, like, I think it's a weird whiff on Jessica Jones. Like, I, I know he has to, you know, make her not say the f word anymore. But that was never what was like really interesting to Jessica Jones about Jessica Jones to me. But I think like, Jeff Loeb and I beg to differ. <laughs> I think she loses all like spark here for me. Uh, she becomes just kind of like. I don't know. Like, like no differentiation between her and any other like female character. He writes in like Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, it's it's just kind of a generic Bendis character. Um, yeah, the newspaper angle doesn't do anything at all for me. I kind of think like newspapers, but in a superhero universe, like you kind of, I don't know. There has to be something more to it than like who killed somebody, and then we immediately find out who, and then it's like about them proving it. But like the proving is, it's not interesting. It's not like a good you know like exercise in journalism or investigation or something like i i didn't even like slot she hulk that much but the like a different profession in the superhero world i think was done so much better there so like yeah this did nothing for me i was totally checked out on this (laughs) i i agree that one norman osborne scene is really good uh the like the, the his writing is good there and like he's very threatening and then he literally kills her um but yeah besides that i had like this is I, I will forget about this in three days. It'll be gone from my brain. I'm oh sure. my gosh! Huh. Yeah, sorry. What uh, a crank. I'm a hater on this. What one. I, I think this is my least favorite thing we've ever read of Bendis, including like all <laughs> oh, of his ultimate work. Yeah, it's wow, pretty boring to me. Yeah. Crazy just to me. Okay. It, you know, I don't even have like strong criticisms. It's just unremarkable. Like it just left no impression. So. I think I think Ben Urich. I mean, I I actually mostly agree with your your assessment of Jessica Jones in this book. Um, yeah, that's fair. All of the the luster and strength and interesting aspects of that character from Alias are just, like, removed. And I think it would be easy to say, oh, it's because she has to fit in 
you know, non-Max 616 now. Mm-hmm. But that's that really only makes sense as far as, like, dialogue and a little bit the content of what she says. Like, there's... There are many other workarounds. But he has J. Jonah Jameson saying the F word here. It's just, you it's know, just out. out. I mean, you could do... Right. Like, he doesn't even choose to do that very often. Yeah. The character, mm-hmm. she's just... She is so wholly obsessed uh, in terms of what we are presented with being in a relationship with Luke Cage and being pregnant, which is are things that would occupy your attention. Absolutely. Um, but it, it really kind of consumes the character where it's like, that's all she is anymore uh uh-huh. it's odd i i i found I, I also i think mark bagley draws a horrible luke cage his luke alternates between 55 to 60 year old and uh 18 year olds sometimes he looks like a little kind of tiny it's weird he's like, small sometimes, sometimes and then he's way over it's like, not yeah. not a good fit not a good fit artistically on that one okay but what i want to say uh in response to i mean the ben urich outing the green goblin stuff and the threat of norman that's good spidey stuff like that is that's good marvel universe spidey stuff i don't i don't i definitely am engaged in that um yeah every time i read it and it's it matters too uh for for you know kind of where things can go from there so i think it's a little crazy to say there's no no value in this and so there's no value so there's no value to me because uh, i like cool things not lame things <laughs> um no i mean i get I, I can see that it's just that like i also am like is it is this a ben Yurick spider-man green goblin book or is this happening is this a just like I, I don't know it's unfocused to me i don't know like and like you said it kind of seemed out of character for him so i i don't know like i just felt like i didn't have a grounding i'm like what am i reading what's the like the stakes here who's the core of this book i think like maybe i slightly came in with some skewed expectations thinking that this was going to be like you know all right now this is alias but in you know a mainline context yeah it's and definitely it's not, not that it's def- yeah which it isn't yeah. at all yeah so like that that definitely set me up a little for disappointment but i think it goes i think as, I don't know, if like, someone's grading it as a jessica jones book i could see them being very hard on it and not having a problem with that i think just grading yeah. it on its, on its own terms as a new entry of a newspaper focused book in the marvel universe um it's solid I think it has some good ideas. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, c- the comparison to like Gotham Central is, you know, quite. It certainly bad. never gets there. It never gets yeah, there. Um, it doesn't even. But that's a. Uh, but that's an all timer that you're trying to work yeah. it in yeah. against. Sure. You know. Yeah, Gotham Central is so cool. We were, I mean, especially to like make a book just about cops, and for me just to be like, hell yeah, <laughs> love love a police procedural, which yeah. is not something I usually gra- gravitate towards. Yeah, Charlotte. Uh, uh, I I've been. I, I mean, I'm glad that Charlotte. Dug it. It's nice to, <laughs> yeah, no, it's I, just, I feel like you might have something to say to Zach about his dismissal. I just said I didn't. I, I was bored. It's fine. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I criticize Secret War a ton. I have, like, yeah. critiques of that book. I don't. But you really still like it of... better than The Pulse, which is kind Yeah, of oh, for me. sure. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I definitely don't care to read more. And, like, what you said, the continuity stuff, I guess, is kind of interesting, but, like, you know, the same as. If I had read the Wikipedia page, I don't know. It's not that um, bad. Get out of town. Yeah, it's not that's, that bad. That's an I exaggeration. think it is also compounded by like what you said. It's it is probably the worst we've seen Bagley lean into the like wall of text thing. Like even in Ultimate Spider-Man, which is where he does a lot of this. Also, it's not that it's not like this. I don't know. I don't know what was going on with him. I mean, Charles, yeah, right? Like full... once you've go ahead, Charles. Go ahead. 
No, I, I just agreeing. Like the the full like text conversations that are literally a colon on the side is like yeah, that's that's too much. That's that's very annoying. He's got to have. Stop I don't think I remarked it that much with just normal bubbles. Like, are, are there mm. like very huge text bubbles of conversation between characters that are like annoying too? Because that that I yeah. didn't see at all. Oh yeah, like just there's in, in there's the one page between, like JJJ and Banarak and stuff. Yeah, yeah okay. there's one page where it's it's just Luke's face and Jessica's face on the left and right sides, and then down the middle are just their bubbles intertwining for a conversation, which I think like. Is it kind of an interesting approach to be like, how can we get one conversation on a page? But it's also like the most Bendisy overlapping bubbles you could you could possibly get. Also, yeah. every pretty much every issue has multiple double page spreads of just careening dialogue all over the place mm-hmm. throughout the Daily Bugle office, and the intent is to show sort of the chaos of the newsroom, like the I Robert get, Altman kind of overlapping dialogue. Yes, thing, I yeah. get what's happening, but. Uh, I, I did find it a little tedious, um, which some of that is my own. I've read this before, and, you know, we all bring... Like, like Zach, read it Zach before, clearly was I in a, a terrible mood and hadn't <laughs> slept. We all bring our own baggage. The uh, I, I mean, I was just reading Black Monday Murders by Jonathan Hickman, and he has conversations that are literally just, like, as written as if they're a play, right? It's just, like, here's a blank page, and it's just two people talking, and it's just, yeah. you know, text on a page. And I'm like, yeah, oh, hell yeah, give me more of that. So right like, some of it some of it's a, just the craft and the um the actual quality the of the writing and yeah yeah because like, it's i don't, I I don't want to uniformly say like i don't like it when a, a comics writer puts a column of text next to the art like that's not true there are occasions where that can work magnificently um or even for this purpose to just have kind of like because hickman is trying to load every like every sentence needs to be pushing like the narrative forward and like build character right like it's very very like you know, it's it's uh, the word like it's very, every line Deliberate. is very enriching to the experience of you know your your knowledge of what's happening. I I can go for just like a naturalistic like setting a aesthetic of you know dialogue that isn't necessarily like plot heavy or anything, yeah. and it's just like yeah. the enjoyment of banter, right? Like in a screwball comedy, pitter patter, and sometimes Bendis can do that. He makes me laugh sometimes. He makes me laugh more than a lot of uh, Marvel writers. So. Um, he can do it sometimes. It just it didn't. It, this is the time it didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. So. I do also appreciate the ability to bounce from Secret War, heavy, mm-hmm. you know, darker, to the Pulse, which is you know the bright superhero newsroom. Um, there's a very clear tonal shift, and I, you know, both are executed in the way that Bendis executes them. I think effectively. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the the end result of the Pulse is. Jessica Jones and Ben Eric are going to work together at the Bugle for a little while. Um, Jessica Jones still pregnant, had a bit of a scare, but going to have Luke's baby. And oh, yeah, I uh, thought about that. That's actually Luke. something I thought about quite a bit. As Charlotte can attest, we talked about this before we started recording. <laughs> yep. Uh, what do you think about gonna... a bit? <laughs> well, this is this is juvenile. Um, yep. The ramifications of you know because they were like she was worried she got injured and like hurt the baby, and they're like the. Uh, the doctor's like, oh, if you're super powered, you know, your baby's probably pretty, or your body's invulnerable, your body's pretty tough, or you, your womb's tough, you know, uh-huh. you might want to talk to somebody about how you're going to have that baby. And then I just started thinking about, like, who's going to fare better during childbirth, like Jessica Jones, or the baby, <laughs> right, when you have a, a super powered baby. Always, just a, think, always, a, that's, a, that's a very Garth Ennis. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's literally the boys the boys. has, yeah. 
like a baby bursting out of somebody's womb. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, I, I will just spoil that Garth Ennis does not write the the uh, the rest of the pregnancy between Jessica Jones and uh, okay, Cage, so the baby so. doesn't burst out of her stomach. It's uh, Mark Miller nor Garth Ennis writes it. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking. Oh, so the other thing that happens, of course, is the Green Goblin is. I mean, he's out as uh, as Normie and. Is this like it? Is this the moment where it's like everybody Norman Osborn knows. outed as yeah. Green Goblin. Yeah, everybody knows. Well, like I said, like it happened before, but then he sued him and in the process, like owned some or most of the Daily Bugle. And, uh, and now, and then so it kind of got washed away under the table again, but now it's like it's out and it's here to stay for a bit. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, you know what? Despite kind of this is, you know, the most down I've been on Benda stuff for a while, like pretty jazzed for him to get to uh, New Avengers next year. Yeah, yeah, like I'm, uh, I'm very curious about it. Don't know anything about the team. I think I know that Wolverine and Spider-Man, I think, are on it. Okay. I think that's we'll see the if that's true. My we'll knowledge. See yeah. if that is true. Uh, next time <sighs> on my marvelous year, we're doing a Mark Miller special. All the Have old Miller favorites here, besides like we did Skull Kill um, Crew. Yeah, we did Scrawl Kill Crew. Is that it for like and six months? And then just the, the My Ultimate Year stuff. I don't think we've yeah, had anything cool. else. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so we're going to do Marvel Knights Spider-Man uh, and Wolverine, the start of Enemy of the State. Now, the, the Marvel Knights Spider-Man issues we're going to read, I have down one to eight, um, just because I think that's going to be plenty. It goes for 12 issues. So if like if you're like, I want to just see how this ends, like do that. Go ahead and finish, because we're not mm. going to we're not gonna add that to another list. Um, cool. And then Enemy of the State... Uh, uh, with Wolverine, so it it'll be an interesting six one six Miller experience. Actually, I may even I may even read some modern Mark Miller comics in anticipation. Hmm. Um, definitely one of those creators I, where I feel like I have the firmest handle on and understanding. Where I'm like, oh, I haven't actually read anything from them in like fifteen years. <laughs> so maybe yeah, something's like have changed. The, the Mark, the what is it, the Miller world, Millerverse? Yeah, whatever. kind of the kick-ass yeah, verse and all that stuff, you know. I guess but, I've read. But even outside of that, like, he does a ton of um, Miller world. Yeah, what's what's the the Magic Order? You know, that's very unlike. I've read a little of that. That's pretty cool. It is very it's unlike. A, <laughs> is it? I, I read the first couple issues and I was like, this is neat. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, it doesn't seem like it's made a splash. I mean, he's got. Well, we'll talk about him. We'll talk yeah. about him next time. Uh, okay. Anything else we should add? No, uh, thanks. Thanks, you guys. Yeah. Always always like chatting with you. I'd like to say Ooh. thanks, Charlotte, for having um, having a, a different experience with the Pulse sharing <laughs> that with us because we needed, well, we needed some balance. It's just what she felt, okay? Why aren't you thanking me for what I felt? Because it's, it's always because you always feel her. the same thing, and I just feel like I'd be overthanking you too often. <laughs> so Also, if next week's episode is Mark Miller, I'm, I'm happy we have... I'm happy I had this to be happy about comics uh, before we read some Mark Miller. Oh, Miller not, can be good. I'm not excited. I, my, my predictions for next week okay. are Zach's really going to like the Miller comics. That's my prediction. Sometimes I really like yeah. him, but not, not too often. And I'm, you know I, I, I feel like, I think you will. And I think there's a part of me that thinks, oh, actually, Charlotte will like these. But I think the surprise is going to be, no, you dislike these even more than I expected. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that, feels, that feels right. Yeah. Uh, one one thing I, I thought of that we forgot to talk about is this is, I think, the first time we saw Maria Hill in Secret War. And seeing this, reading this after the episode of Secret Invasion where, well, 
who cares? You you've seen no, you haven't, or you don't care. Where where she dies, it's like, oh, they they never tried because she's like she's way cooler in the comics. Like she just can't stand Nick Fury and yeah. like is the tired parent that's exhausted by everyone and is like ang- angry about uh, about everyone. It's like that's that's a lot more fun character to bounce off of Nick Fury than just his lackey. Basically, his yeah. mm. character less lackey. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see more of, of 616 and uh, Mary Hill. We definitely will. We definitely will have more to discuss yeah. there, but I'm glad you called that out because she is a a pretty good Bendis addition to the, yeah. the post-Nick Fury Shield experience, for sure. All right, this Dave, has been my marvelous I have, year. Wait, I have uh, one more question for you. Oh, yeah? Real quick. Um, why is this the fourth best comic of all time? I didn't quite understand that. You didn't seem actually that into it. Uh, Secret War, that is. The fourth best like, comic. You have of all this time? like in your top five comics of all time, right? No, he's making a joke about Secret Wars. No, I, I, I know, but that's that's Secret like Wars. in the top one hundred and fifty, maybe. I was making a damn joke about Jonathan Hickman's Secret Wars and how you love that. Like Zach, you're so late on that joke. <laughs> like, <laughs> that joke would have worked so much better an hour ago. I know. I just <laughs> oh boy. It also didn't work because I, as I was saying it, I opened up your page for best comics of all time, and you don't have that written. You have yeah, yeah, just the Jonathan Hickman, Hickman at Marvel 2015 to 2000, whatever. Yep. <laughs> so like, yeah, it really didn't work. Apologies to our <laughs> well, audience. Great way to end the episode. Thanks. Right, anyway, let me just we should always end everyone's... with a bad joke and an apology. I think that's yep, a good way to end. Yeah. Gonna <laughs> refund everyone's Patreon money. Yes, please. Quick. So subscribe to Patreon.com/slash/MyMarvelShare. You'll get a quick refund. <laughs> for all the jokes you've had to listen to uh, music for the show is by Disaster Peace I'm Dave, that's Zach that's Charlotte, thanks for listening we'll see you next year see you next see year, you next year. Woo.